Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. And Welcome, forget, Harvest Church family, and thank notes, you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. File on we pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Slash notes. Right now, let's right listen now, in to let's this, listen week's in message. this week's message. Today I want to talk to you about holding on to hope when you feel like letting go. We live in a world that feels more hopeless than hopeful, in a, a world where the future seems more bleak than bright. Have you noticed that? I'm just saying when you watch the news and everything taking place, uh, take in the two years of pandemic and go, Pastor Perry, you always mention it. Yeah, I'm mentioning it until it's in the rearview mirror because we're still walking through it together. It's different than anything that we've ever gone through. It's on the news. It's being put through, uh, you know, forth to us every day. But then there's other challenges coming in the world as well. We've got the Ukraine right now with the uh, Russian army sitting on the border and something's going to break loose or not in the next several days. All of these things that kind of weigh on us and, and, and make things just seem so unpredictable. So, uh, and, and sometimes become overwhelming. So we're, I want to talk this morning about how we can become more hopeful because in the midst of all of the adversity and the uncertainty that we face, the word of the Lord today is still this, God has a future and a hope for us. In fact, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to give you uh, not, to, uh, not disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. If you're glad that God has a future and a hope for us, say loud amen. amen. And when God was speaking this to Jeremiah, Jeremiah was prophesying this, he was doing it for the people that were in Babylon, stuck there for 70 years. We've been stuck for two years right now, all right? Not 70 years, thank God. But he was giving them hope after 70 years of captivity. So we serve a God of all hope and all comfort. Hallelujah. Now, when we're talking about holding on to hope, when you feel like letting go, I want to use a prophet out of the Bible, and his name is Elijah. Everyone say it with me this morning, Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God who, due to circumstances that he was facing, nearly lost all hope, and in fact, Elijah actually prayed to die. That's how despondent he became. Now, when we're talking about Elijah, his name means the Lord is my God. Say it with me this morning, the Lord is my God. Amen. So no prophet since Moses is quite like Elijah. When you talk about the prophets in the Bible, you have the major prophets, the minor prophets, but you have some prophets that are, I would call, major league prophets. I mean, that they're just, you know, the exploits they did were just so far and above anything that had been done that they're even looked at by the other prophets as major prophets, all right? And so Elijah was certainly one of those. In fact, when Jesus was talking to the apostle Peter uh, one time in Matthew, he goes to Peter, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say that you're um, Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. But he says, who do you say that I am? He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. But what I'm trying to say is this. Elijah was so prominent that people actually confused him for the Messiah. They confused him for Jesus, as they did with John the Baptist. And, and so he, he, he says, no, I'm not Elijah. I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not John the Baptist. Who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. But I'm just trying to say that Elijah was a major, major prophet. But uh, have you ever felt intimidated by some people because they're so major? I like what James says this about uh, uh, Elijah. He said this, uh, James is the brother of Jesus or the half-brother of Jesus. He said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. So Elijah was a person just like us. Say it with me this morning, just like us. A nature just like ours and he prayed with power that it would not rain for a space of three and a half years and then he prayed again, watch the next verse, and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So you've got two verses right there in James. First he prayed, the rain stops, and then he prays again, the rain starts. But in between, these two verses are three and a half years. And Elijah goes through a lot. In other words, there's a big story that takes place between these two little verses. And we're going to find it today in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, 18 and 19. I can't go through the whole thing this morning. 
uh, because of the length of these chapters, but I wanted to say this. 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19. Find it in your Bibles. 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19. You could actually make an epic movie out of just three chapters. You would have an epic movie, and I think they would just title it Elijah, you know, my story. And, and it, it, so it would be Elijah, epic movie. And honestly, I challenge you today, even read 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19, and see if what I say is not true, you'll have the most entertaining, I'm talking about entertaining, informative, challenging, and faith-building story just by reading those three chapters. So, so Elijah prayed that the rain would stop in his area, and why is because the people had started serving idols, idolatry. How many you know that God doesn't want us to have any other gods before him, Right? The top commandment, don't put any any other God before him. But the people had under a wicked king Ahab, and so they started serving Baals. And so in in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, all right, 1 Kings 17, verse 1, um, Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before who I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. In other words, until I say otherwise, the rain's going to stop, and it's going to stop, and it went for three and a half years. So three and a half years pass, and Elijah stands before King Ahab again. Are you following me right now? He stands before uh, King Ahab once. He said, at my word right now, as a prophet of God, um, he said, it's going to stop raining right now until I say otherwise. And then three and a half years go by, and now we're in First Kings chapter 18, verse 17. Now, you got to look at me, everyone, right now. You just said, Pastor Perry just preached through a whole chapter of the Bible in one minute. How did he do that, all right? Because we're already, we're at 17, but now we're at 18. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, there's hope this morning, there's hope. We're looking at three chapters. I just got through the first one. Are you still with me? Come on, everybody. Give me some love. Give me some love, all right? All right, so now, I, I just wanted you to say we, we got through that fast. Now, so this is an awesome story we're telling us. So when King Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And you'll see in a second, he says, I'm not troubling Israel. You're troubling Israel. You're the wicked king that's troubling Israel. But here's what I want you to see this morning, everyone. Are you, in other words, the prophet Elijah made the kingdom of darkness shake. And I want to just say this this morning. Are you causing the devil any trouble? Is your life causing the devil any trouble, or does he look like look at you and goes like, well, it's going to be an easy day? Because here's what I want you to say to you this morning, is I want you to start living your life uh, in such a way that you will trouble the devil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, the devil's watching you. He's going to be faced with a temptation right now. We're just watching right now. He's just going to fall prey to that temptation. No. You go like, no, no, I'm, I'm trusting in God right now. With every temptation, God said, I'm going to make a way escape that you might be able to bear it. And he bore up against the temptation. He ran from the temptation, and he withstood the temptation. That troubles the devil. Instead of you falling into temptation, it troubles the devil when you overcome temptation. And when you also point other people to Jesus Christ, I just want you to be a troubler of the kingdom of darkness. So when the devil, you know, when the devil ever comes to, you know, whisper his lies to you, is that you, you troubler of this, you know, you're a troubling person. Be a troubler to the kingdom of darkness. Be a troubler to the devil. Can I get a witness? I mean, live your life in such a way. Because a lot of people, they go out of church on Sunday, praise, La, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow, and we raise our hands and we praise God, but then we go right back to where we came from, and we're not any trouble to the devil at all. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, so, live your life that way. So, he says to, Elijah says, Ahab says to Elijah, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And then Elijah replied, and he said this, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals, and the Baals were all these idols. So you've gone after following the one true God that we're supposed to worship him and not have any part of any idols, but you've turned to idols. 
idols all over the land. And, and, and he says, you've turned away, and, 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 and you're the one who's, who's troubled Israel. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. And Baals, by the way, are idols. And let me tell you something about God. God hears when you pray. God sees you. God speaks to you. God reaches his arms out to you. God walks towards you. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. But idols are just dead. And he says, you've turned to idols, and, and you've turned away from God and to worshiping idols. So now summon the people, uh, and this is uh, Elijah speaking, he says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet on Mount Carmel. We're going to have a conference at Mount Carmel. And by the way, there were three mountains that uh, Elijah had experience with in, in his ministry, but Mount Carmel was a place um, where... People were worshiping God and they were worshiping the Baals all around that area. So they're going to say, we're going to have a showdown here right where it's happening. People are worshiping God, the one true God, but they're also worshiping Baals. So he says, summon the people to come from all over Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So in all of these prophets who were eating at Jezebel's table, says, bring them all in. And what Elijah was saying was this. Are you all with me here this morning? Elijah was saying the time has come for a face down with all of the false prophets of of, of Israel. All of the false prophets of Baal. There's going to be a face down right now. So Ahab sent uh, an email out throughout Israel. And he assembled all the prophets on Mount Carmel. I don't know how they communicated, but we'd have sent an email and an invitation. All the prophets are gathering right now. There's going to be a showdown. Guess what? There's only, there's 450 false prophets of Baal coming. There's only one Elijah. There's only one Elijah, so it's 450 to 1. They knew that Elijah was outnumbered. This is going to be a good show because we're going to win this one. It's 450 against God's man, Elijah. So we know we're going to win this battle. So they all come on in. And when they all got there, Elijah went before the people and he says this, how long will you waver or falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And then the people said nothing. But Elijah was simply saying this. He's saying... If God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, then worship him. But he says, we're going to, you know, stop fishing and cut bait right now. He said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. He says, don't be in the middle, serve one or the other. And let me just say here this morning, we have a church right now in America that is divided, a church that serves God on Sunday but serves Baal on Monday. And by that, I'm talking about the world. And we're duplicitous in our worship of God. We say we worship God on Sunday, and we do worship God on Sunday, but then we go out and live another way, and we serve ourselves, or we don't live for God. There's so many Christians right now. They live for God on Sunday, but they don't live for God on Monday. How do I know? Because I see you on Facebook. You're not hidden from me. And so you live these lives that are duplicitous lives, and the most miserable life you can live is trying to figure out how to serve God and how to serve the devil. And so some people say, I want a little bit of both worlds, and what they do is they walk down the middle of the lane and they get hit from both sides. But God isn't pressuring you. We serve a God, a Christ, who stands at the door of your heart and he knocks the, 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 the handle of the door is on the inside of your heart. You're the one opening it. God is real big on volition and not force. He's saying, if you come back to me, I'll abundantly pardon you and I'll receive you to myself, but it's something that you have to do. But he's saying, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to, son, to become sons, sons of God. But he's saying this, how long will you falter between two opinions? Get on one lane or the other, but don't be in the middle. Don't be compromising. And all of God's people said amen. So far, this is good preaching. Can I get a witness? Amen. So now I'm going to summarize a little bit here, okay? Because we go into 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 22. He's got everybody gathered and, and, and get the picture right now. They've called this conference, this, this meeting of the prophets. 
They bring them in to Mount Carmel. And by the way, when you go to Israel sometime, you'll be able to go to Mount Carmel and, you, Mount Carmel, and you'll be able to see uh, where Elijah, where this event took place. And there's a statue of Elijah the prophet with, a, with a, a, a knife in his hand that has to do with the knife that he used to destroy the 450 prophets. Uh, spoiler alert, I just told you it was going to happen. But anyway... Uh, uh, you'll see that statue up there and you'll be able to see uh, uh, the vicinity where it happened. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So Elijah said to them, and everyone this morning, if you take your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 22. All right, and, and by the way, everyone, look at me right now. Help me, uh, which you always do. I'm not giving you a sermon this morning. I'm giving you a word from God this morning. Because we need more than just a sermon. I'm not trying to give you a sermon, three points and a a prayer or whatever. I'm trying to give you what God has given me to give you this morning. So we are this morning, I I hope to communicate the oracles of God somehow in this message for the next half an hour that we communicate the oracles of God and and that you get something out because you need something from God. You can be watching TV for hours and hours at night and not receive anything that would be therapeutic to your soul. But this 30 minutes that we have here right now in church right now will be life-giving and therapeutic to your soul. It'll save you and it'll help you and it'll encourage you. So, um, and I'm going to try to do the best I can to keep up, but, but I don't really apologize that I'm going to just preach the word this morning. And, and the reason why is because we need the word of God right now. If we've got time for six hours of CNN or CNBC and NBC and CBS and Fox and everything else between and still drilling our minds into nothing, uh, we need the word of God. So, um, so I want you to track with me the verses will not come up on the screen uh, while I try to summarize through this, um, but they'll come up in your Bible, so first, or on your uh, smartphone or whatever. First Kings chapter 18, verse 22, all right? So Elijah said to the people now that are standing around, you know, we've gathered together, 450 false prophets of Baal and all the other people that are there. He says, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now, right here, Elijah was a little bit wrong, which you'll see. God had others on the side that were there, but he felt alone. But in this case, the better interpretation of this maybe is this. I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left who is willing to confront the prophets of Baal. That's willing to confront the prophets of Baal. I stand alone that I'm willing to confront the prophets of Baal. But Baal has 450 prophets here. So it's me against 450 prophets. How many of you know that he's, out, he's outnumbered, right? So he says, get two bulls for us. They sacrificed bulls back in those days. And, and lambs and all of that. Get two bowls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set it on fire. He says, I'm going to prepare the other bowl. He says, I'm going to prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire on it. So here, get the picture here. The, those that worship Baal, the 450 prophets of Baal, you've got your altar right here. I want you to cut a bowl into pieces and put it on the altar and then also put wood, up, wood in there, but do not light the wood because the test here is going to be the God that's real is going to light the wood. We're not going to do anything with the fire. The fire is going to come from the one true God. Amen? So they start building their altar and do everything just as they were told to do. And, and then uh, Elijah said, I'll build my altar. But he said, hey... Um, you guys go first, because there's 450 of you, it's just one of me. So he acquiesced to them, he says, you guys go first. And he says, then you call in the name of the Lord your God, a God with a small g, and I will call in the name of the Lord, all capitals, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. And, and, and he says, I'm going to call on my God, you call on your God. And then all the people said, okay, that, that's good. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bowls and prepare it first, since there, are no, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of the Lord your God, but do not light the fire, all right? So they took the bowl that was given to them, they prepared it, uh, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Say it with me this morning, morning till noon. So this is all happening, the setup here, the, the conference is starting with the 450 prophets of Baal from morning until noon. 
And he, and, and he says, they build the altar, then they start worshiping, and they start crying out to Baal, and they said, oh, Baal, answer us. And they, and they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they'd made from morning until noon. They cried out to Baal to answer. Do you know why he didn't answer? Because he's an idol. Because idols cannot see, they cannot hear, they cannot talk, they cannot reach, and they cannot walk. They're a dead idol. Thank God we don't worship a dead idol, but we worship an alive God who can see, who can hear, who can speak to us, who can reach to us, and who can walk to us. We serve that kind of idol. Even though God is spirit, you understand what I'm saying. He's got all of those attributes, the, the senses and everything, but Idols have no sense because they're just dead wood. But they're still crying out to Baal all the way till noon, from morning until noon. Well, at noon, everyone with me still? So we're in the same day right now. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. And so the Elijah the prophet begins to taunt them, and he says, why don't you shout louder? Shout louder. He said, surely he is a god. And he's saying with a small g, surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy, or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So Elijah's kind of taunting them right now. You've been already doing this from morning until noon. And he says, why don't you yell louder and, 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 and say it louder? Now, I read this the other day because I love going into commentaries and so forth. And I was reading one commentary from um, David Jeremiah. And I really trust the, the scholarship of David Jeremiah but he was saying the essence of this taunting was maybe your God is gone. Uh, the essence of it, he said, is maybe your, I'm, th- uh, Dr. J, you're not going to believe this, but anyway, he said, um, he, maybe he's taken a restroom break. That's what, it, that's what he was saying, a restroom break. And that's exactly what it says. He says, maybe he's out for a restroom break. And I had not seen that in Scripture before or in my studies before, but if it's coming from David Jeremiah, I can almost take it to the bank, all right? Perhaps he's deep in thought. Well, that happens in a restroom. I don't know, but or he's busy or traveling. <laughs> anyway, and I don't want to go there. It's just a little comic, comic relief, all right? But he was beginning to taunt them because it's like all morning long you've been doing this. Why don't you shout louder? So they shouted louder. Look at verse 28 and slashed themselves with swords and spears. They went into cutting themselves, slashing themselves with swords and spears, as the devil would do. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, as was their custom until blood flowed. So they're worshiping, they're yelling louder, cutting themselves until blood flowed. And you got this bloody mess of all these Baal worship prophets worshiping Baal, and yet there's still nothing's happening. Midday passed, look at the next verse, verse 29. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of evening sacrifice, but there was no response, not, not one answer, and no one paid any attention. No God paid any attention because they're all idols. Now, I want you to say it with me here this morning, everyone. Morning till noon, noon to midday, and then midday to evening, all the false prophets of Baal and the people that they had with them were worshiping, and nothing happened. All the whole day now the sun is beginning to set. And Elijah says, okay, here we go. There's nothing so far that happened. And Elijah said to all the people, come here to me now. You've, you've been watching all the Baal worship going on. Come here to me now. And they came to him and he, he, he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been in ruins. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been in ruins. And I want to just say here this morning, everyone, we all need to repair the altar of the Lord that's in ruins in our own lives. There's many times that the altars in our own lives have been broken down, and God says this, I want you to repair those altars so that I can meet you at that altar. My altar for me is when I go out to walk and pray on Monday through Saturday in the morning. My altar is that prayer walk. I, I go out and I make sure that that altar is strong. And when you get alone with God, he'll give you his presence. He'll give you his power. He'll give you his anointing. He'll give you an unction from God. He will give you revelation knowledge. He'll give you direction, the things that you need, just by spending some time in the presence of the Lord. And he'll always give you hope. Hallelujah. So I want to just encourage you this morning to repair the altar that might be broken down in your own life. It's time for us to rebuild the altar of the Lord in our lives. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Can I get a witness? Amen. Ooh, it's a weak amen. Give me a better one. (laughs) 
Some of you don't even have an altar of the Lord. You need to build an altar of the Lord. Some of you have one that is in disrepair. You need to repair the altar of the Lord in your life. Go back to those basic things. I'm talking about prayer and being in time in the Word, and I'm talking about a uh, proactive, disciplined time with the Lord. So what did Elijah do? Are you here with me? Am I right here this morning? Am I right here this morning? Right, 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 right? We have time for our iPhone. We have time for our Samsung. We have time for the media. We have time for social media. We have time for TikTok. We have time for Yahoo. We've got time for Facebook. We've got time for Instagram, but we have very little time for God. And I'm talking about the Instagram altars in better repair than our own altar before God. God help us. Man, I'm speaking from the Lord right now. Right now, I'm speaking from the Lord. I'm talking about there are so many other little idols in our lives today that the devil has cluttered us up so we can't even comprehend or, or, uh, the, 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 the altar of God. I'm talking about the things of God. Amen. We're more interested in what so-and-so is having for dinner because they show pictures of it on Facebook. Yes, yes. Like, I need to know that. <laughs> Never mind. I went, I went to dinner last night, and, and uh, man, I got to finish, man. I uh, went to dinner last night with Barbara. Somebody had given us a, 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 a Chili's um, a gift certificate for Christmas. Thank God for those, wow. Because I, I don't know how anybody can afford to eat anymore. Because I went, we just the two of us went out and had, you know, I get a craving every now and then for those chips and salsa. I don't know what they put in the salsa at, at Chili's, but it's so good. So I kind of like just inhale it, you know, just <laughs> and, uh, you know, just put that down. And then, and then I ordered a hamburger, and Barbara ordered some tacos and uh, some whatever they were. What kind of tacos did you have? Spicy shrimp tacos, something like that. Okay, so then anyway, I, so then I pay the bill, just the two of us. And so the $25 gets eaten up just like that. And then by the time I put the tip on, it was... 23 more dollars, so that was uh, the, the rest of the check and then a tip, and then so it was like almost $50. Have you noticed that everything's getting more expensive right now? I'm going like, I'm going home just to have a hot dog next time, because I, I can't afford to eat all this food right now, this expensive food. Anyway, okay. Oh, they said shout louder, they slashed themselves, where are we at this? Okay, and then he took, okay, so Elijah took, look at verse 31. Elijah took 12 stones and he's starting to rebuild his altar, one for each of the tribes of Judah, which is such a beautiful thing. He builds this altar. You have the Baal altar right there. Nothing's happened. It's still just unlit. Nothing happened after the whole day. Now, Elijah comes in this evening now and he's rebuilding the altar, puts 12 stones in place, beautiful picture of the 12 tribes of Israel, and then he puts the cut-up bowl and the in uh, the wood on the altar, and 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 uh, anyway, each of the tribes descending from Israel, it represents the tribes. And with stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Say with me right now, in the name of the Lord. And then he digs a trench around it. Can you see Isaiah right there digging a trench around the altar? They didn't do that with the Baal altar. He builds, a, he he digs a trench around it, so big of a trench that it would hold two seas of seed. In other words, it was deep and would hold a lot of of whatever you would put in it. He, d- he digs a trench. You talk about prophets; they're not pansies at all, man. I'll tell you what. You had Elijah out there digging a trench around there. I mean, I mean, don't even try to compare him to Clint Eastwood. I mean, he would just totally blow Clint Eastwood away. You don't even know who Clint Eastwood is, but anyway, he's kind of a man's man, kind of a person. You know, but give me Elijah the prophet. He's out digging his own trench, and he's already just, you know, he's, get, he's fixing to go against 450 false prophets. So he arranged the wood, he cut the bowl into pieces, he laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four jars with water and pour it on the, uh, on the offering and on the wood. So he says, fill up four jars. And in Israel, when you're filling up jars with water, it isn't like a wine bottle that you get in Napa. It's a big jug of water. They filled up the, the four, these four big jugs of water. And he says, I want you to pour it on the offering and the wood, and, and poured on it, all four of those jugs on it. And then he said, I want you to do it again. 
And then after they did it again, he said, I want you to do it again, the third time. And I don't know when I get to heaven, I'll ask possibly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three times, but that's just a reach. But I'm just saying it could be. But anyway, he pours it on there until the water's overflowing the um, altar, flowing down the sides and filling up the trench. How many of you know it's hard to light a regular fire on a good day, but try to light a, a wet one? You, nobody wants wet wood, and this was drenched, including the offering, was, uh, the offering or the, the beef on there was, was drenched. He says, do it again, and they did it again. Do it a third time, they did it again. And the water ran down from the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward, and then he began to pray. And he said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today. And by the way, it could be, you know, Israel would be called Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Let it be known. In other words, God, um, justify me in, or validate me in the sight of all of these people as your prophet, as a prophet of God. He said, answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. How do you know that God wants to turn the hearts of all of his people back to him? Amen. And then when he prayed that prayer, look at verse 38, 1 Kings 18, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's fire came on that altar. It took the altar, it took the sacrifice, it took the wood, and it took the soil, and it also licked up the water from the trench. It kind of went like this, like that. You know, just kind of licked it right up. Steven Spielberg could make it real on the screen or whatever. But I mean, the, the fire came and just took that water, just like that, and it's gone. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate before and called and cried out to the Lord. They said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They weren't talking about a God with a small g now. They were talking about the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I want you to say that with me this morning. The Lord, he is God. Say it with me again. The Lord, he is God. It's the Lord that answers by fire. Hallelujah. And I want to just say here this morning, I'm believing that God's going to come back into his church and give us fire once again because all, we all need to be revived. I'm talking about by the fire of God. I'm talking about to see the fire of God in our presence. And you can have a church that looks pretty dead on a Sunday morning. Or you can have church like, man, it's just a bunch of wet wood out there. In other words, can God do anything? And I'm telling you what, the presence of God can come into a place and his fire can just, I'm talking about, consume the place in a good way. I'm talking about the fire of God, hallelujah, in our presence. And, I'll, and, 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 and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants his fire to be in each one of you. And then it's called the Shekinah glory of God or the fire of God. In the name of Jesus. If you believe that, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. And man, I'll tell you what, when the fire of God falls, you're going to say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And you'll be dancing and they'll tell, man, they're just crying out to God. And when this all happened, they knew that God had come into the place. And then Elijah commanded them. They said, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized the prophets of Baal. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley. And he slaughtered them there, which is really brutal. But again, he was an instrument of judgment in the hand of God. And Elijah said to Ahab, uh, in other words, all of the prophets right now were, were, were dead. 450 prophets were killed there. They were all dead. And then Elijah said to Ahab, he says, go eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain, or there's a sound of heavy rain. Remember, he said, I'm not, there's not going to be any rain in the land until I say otherwise. Three and a half years had passed. Remember, he said, he stood before Ahab. He said, you know, it's going to stop raining for three and a half years. Now, everyone's living in a drought, but right now the prophets had been destroyed. The Baal had been proven false. God had been proven true. And he said, it's time for the rain to come. 
And he went up to that mountain. He said, man, I see just a little cloud. I don't see anything. It looks like clear skies to me. But he says, no, I saw a little cloud up there, and I see the sound of an abundance of rain. That's speaking by faith. And Elijah bowed down, and he, he prayed seven times. Then all of a sudden, all the clouds came in, and there was just a huge outpouring of rain from God. Hallelujah. I tell you what here this morning, just on this little point right here, I believe as I look forward into the future right now, we are going to see the sound of an abundance of rain. Hallelujah. In other words, we've been going through this drought long enough, and we're even getting to the end of the three years of it whenever it comes, just like Elijah did. But praise God, I believe that God's going to lead us to a better day, that one day we're going to see this pandemic in our rearview mirror. And God is going to give us an outpouring, a shower of blessing and an abundance of rain. And if you believe that and receive it, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Lord God. Praise God. Well, we could end right there. But I'm not going to end quite yet. I just got to finish it up. I got to finish it up. So 1 Kings 18 now, we, we, we touched on 17, not nearly anything that happened there. We just spent a minute there. 1 Kings 18 now, we talked about the story. This was a victory story for, for Elijah. You know, 450 prophets, how was your day? You know what I'm saying? That was like crazy great. But if 1 Kings 18 was a victory chapter for Elijah, 1 Kings 19 was a defeat chapter for him. I mean, he was living and walking in fear. You go from one contrast, high victory, to feeling defeated the very next chapter. How did that happen? Well, Ahab, Ahab the wicked king Ahab, he goes home that night, has dinner, and Jezebel, his, his wife, says to him, he says, hey, how'd your day go today? <laughs> and Jezebel uh, was told by Ahab that 450 of the prophets that used to sit around her table were no longer coming to dinner. And, 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 and he says, they're, 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 they're dead. And she's going, you're kidding. No, they're dead. They're executed. And so when she heard that, she said, man, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to make a vow right now that what, what, Josh, what, what Elijah did, I should say, uh, what Elijah did to my false prophets are, is going to happen to him by this time tomorrow. And so when Elijah heard this, he ran for his life. In fact, he nearly lost all hope and he prayed even to die. You remember that? So... I want to just take a look now at Elijah in, 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 in 1 Kings chapter 19, and then we'll go out. Now the scriptures will come up a little bit more. But remember this, great victory. Now um, Jezebel had been scorned. And I'll tell you what, somebody said, you know, stay clear of a woman who's been scorned because she's going to get you. Jezebel, I'm telling you what, was going to go after her and said, you're going to die. And so that scared him, and he ran for his life. Amen. How do you know that women have great power? Come on, everybody, work with me. I might have all of the ideas, but if Barb has another idea, it's usually the better idea. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I heard a man say, I'm, a, I'm the head of the house, but my wife is the neck of the house, and she's the one that turns the head. Uh, but anyway... Now, let's talk here this morning from Elijah now, three hindrances. So everybody look at me right now. Y'all doing so well, and I'm almost done with this message, and I'm going a little bit longer than I usually do, but hey, we need the word of God. All right, here we go. Three hindrances to hope. Number one, the first hindrance that uh, Elijah ran into was being overwhelmed, and he was afraid. He was being afraid. Watch this. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And she told him, so Jezebel sent a messenger. Jezebel is the wife of King Ahab. She sent a messenger to Elijah and said, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. In other words, you're dying. And the next verse says this, Elijah was afraid, and he should have been, and he ran for his life. Say with me this morning, he was afraid, and he ran for his life. Elijah had just had the greatest victory killing the 450 false prophets, proving that God was alive and real. Yet when Elijah heard that Jezebel was after him, he ran for his life. He had a meltdown. We call it the Mount Carmel meltdown. But let me just tell you this. When you are overwhelmed, fear will cause you to lose hope. 
But the greatest way to overcome fear is by having faith in God because faith always rises above fear. And I love the T-shirts that say faith over fear. I'm just saying we are living in fearful times right now. And when you're living in fearful times, it's all the more important that you stay faithful to God because faith will always triumph over fear. Can I get a witness? Amen. So number one hindrance to hope is being afraid. The second one is desiring isolation. And so the Bible says this about Elijah when he came to Beersheba. He's running for his life now in Judah. He left his servant there. Watch this. He left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the desert. Say with me this morning, he himself went a day's journey into the desert. So Elijah shows us one of the classic symptoms of being overwhelmed, and that's isolation, and it's not a good thing. So be careful not to mistake what Elijah's doing here. Sometimes you need solitude. How many know that you need solitude? And Jesus needed solitude. He'd get away and get alone with God. This was not solitude. This was isolation. And solitude is a healthy discipline, while isolation is an unhealthy symptom of emotional depletion. Sometimes you can feel so worn out on the edge that you feel like, man, I don't want solitude right now. I just want to isolate. I want to pull back. I want to get away from everybody. That is not healthy because we need one another. Amen? So he pulled into isolation. And the minute you pull into isolation, you've got one more step where be, before you become despondent because you're all alone. So the third thing, uh, which is a hindrance to hope, is becoming despondent. And becoming despondent is being downhearted or unhappy or pessimistic or depressed. Now watch what Elijah does. He comes to a broom tree, this beautiful broom tree. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. And he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He says he prayed that he might die. Now, he didn't say, I want to commit suicide. He prayed that he might die. And, and by the way, I don't recommend suicide to anybody. Amen. By the way, and, and, and on the other hand, too, it would be a completely different message because there are some people that you know that have committed suicide and you go like, well, did they go straight to hell? Man, I'll tell you what, they are in God's hands as much as you are in God's hands. I don't believe that your worst day of your life defines the rest of your life, but I also believe that you shouldn't murder yourself. And I also believe that anybody that commits suicide would come back and apologize to their family. Everyone, they, they say, man, I didn't realize how much the ripple effects of my life would hurt you for the rest of your life. They would come back and apologize. But I'm just saying here, they're also in, uh, in the hands of a God who is a judge that can do no evil. So you have to leave it. You can't judge them right into hell. You have to leave that with God. Can I get a witness? Amen. So that's a whole nother message. Don't try, you know, but he prayed to die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm going to just look at everyone here this morning, especially a lot of you that have been on the road of life for a while. There are days that you can get so down and despondent. You go like, man, I don't even feel like living anymore. And I've talked to people like that. I just don't even feel like living. And I've talked to people who said, man, I just even, I've talked to several people. I've heard their testimonies that I actually prayed to die. All I can say to that this morning is this, is thank God for unanswered prayer. Can I get a witness? Amen. How many glad that God didn't answer some of your prayers that you prayed in desperation? Hallelujah. And, 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 and God did not answer this prayer for Elijah. He didn't take his life. But he prayed that he wouldn't. He was a mighty apostle of prayer, but he didn't let him die. Hallelujah for unanswered prayer. He became despondent. And I wanted to say this. I was reading on, on January 10th, 2022, just a few days ago. Uh, USA Today reported they did a, they, they did a, um, a uh, poll with um, registered voters. And on January 10th, just a few days ago, they, they gave the results. Nearly two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, which brought a rise in depression, anxiety, stress, addiction, and other challenges, almost 9 in 10 registered voters believe that there is a mental health crisis in our nation. That means here today that in this building right now, 9 out of 10, they believe that, 9 out of 10 believe that there's a mental health crisis in America today. That means that even in this room right now, 
that there are individuals right here, you look good on the outside, but inside, you're going through a mental health crisis right now. And I want to say that God is here to help you. Can I get a witness? Amen. God is not here to leave you alone. You've gone through a lot of things. You've gone through a lot of stress. You've gone through a lot of mess. But God's going to heal you and begin to heal you from the inside out. But you can't deny right now that the times that we've been in... Uh, how many of you would agree with me, am I right, that, 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 that the, the testing of your emotions, the testing on your own life during this last two years has been kind of tough? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of wearing on you. But God's going to get you through. So he became, Elijah became despondent. All right. Now, let's go to three ways to restore hope because we talked about three hindrances to hope. Being afraid, living in fear, living in isolation, becoming despondent, but there's three ways to restore hope. The first one is this, and Elijah found it, is rest. Say it with me this morning, rest, hallelujah. Doesn't that sound like a good word right now? Rest, hallelujah. Just say it with me right now, rest. Then he laid down under the broom tree and he fell asleep. And I, 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 so Elijah fell asleep. Say it with me, I wanna just tell you this morning, sleep is a good thing. Can I get it, what does it say, in fact, I, I'm, I don't want to veer off my text today because I've got plenty to work with and I'm almost finished, but I, I, I'm staying in Kings, but I'll just give you one side here. Uh, the psalmist said this, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Do you know that you're loved by God and God wants to give you good rest? Hallelujah. And I want to just say this, this morning, one of the most spiritual things you can do this afternoon is take a nap in between football games. Can I get one to say amen? But you take a nap. And one of the most spiritual things you can do is get enough rest. There's a lot of people when you're young, you go like, I'm going to just burn the candle at both ends. But I'm telling you what, that candle is going to just fall and get eaten up. Don't burn the candle from both ends. It just sounds like a good idea, but it isn't. You need eight or, good no eight or nine hours, not three hours a night, but eight or nine good hours of sleep at night. And when you rest, God created you this way. When you rest, your, your body restores and your brain reboots. Let me say that again. Your body restores. It actually, healing goes on when you are resting, and your brain is also healing when you're resting. That's why you feel so good in the morning when you get up. You can go like, I, can, I just had my batteries recharged. And, and, and so you need to rest. Pastor, Pastor I, I, I rest every Sunday morning in church while you're preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. You're listening pretty good. But I understand. But you know what? If you're going to sleep anywhere, you might as well sleep in a good church. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. So you need rest. How many of you think that rest is a good thing? Amen. God wants you to have a Sabbath. Six days you shall work, and then you have a Sabbath. I have a Sabbath. I want to tell you, I have a Sabbath. You want to, you want to know when my Sabbath is? It's on Saturday. I have a Saturday Sabbath, and I can back it up by the Jews because Saturday is Shabbat. But the reason is I'm so busy on Sunday that I have a Saturday Sabbath. I do that myself. I kind of keep myself away from running too hard, doing too many things at all, settling down before the Lord. I only listen to gospel music on Saturday. I don't listen to anything else but just gospel music. In other words, I take that away. There's all kinds of music. There's all kinds of books. There's all kinds of literature. I'm just talking about, but I, I really make it a day on the Lord. I have my Saturday that I kind of get, Pastor Perry has a Sabbath on Saturday. What should we do about that? Well, just let me rest, all right? <laughs> I don't know about that. It's, it's just as... You know, I didn't realize that the Saturday thing until I went over to Israel, but that's when they have their, from sundown Friday night till sundown Saturday night, they're in Sabbath, okay? But it's to recharge. You can't even, you can't even have, you can't even press a button on the elevator when you're in a, a, a the elevators go automatically to their room so you don't have to press a button because that would be work. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. But they take it serious. They take it serious. Okay. Rest. The second thing here this morning, and don't, don't, don't look at me funny like, oh, Pastor Perry, what is, that's kind of weird. You're resting on Saturday. Well, deal with it, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I could, I could teach, uh, uh, anyway, but have your day of rest. You know, it was, uh, God wants you to have a Sabbath day that's for you that you can rest and get recharged, right? That's what Elijah did. He rested. Then, second thing is this, he refueled. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. So he was sleeping deeply. An angel touched him. He says, get up and eat. 
Man, that was a good angel right there. And, 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 but there was no food to eat. And so God, you know, he said, I want you to get up and eat, but there was no food to eat. But I want you to see in Elijah's life that, he, that God always intervened for Elijah. And if we had time to read through these other things in the other chapters, which we didn't, I'm talking about chapter 17 and so forth, you'll see that God intervened for Elijah when he was in the wilderness. Remember when he was in the wilderness and the ravens came and fed him? Praise God, the ravens came and fed him. He sent the birds to feed him. God intervened for Elijah when he was in Zarephath by providing a widow. He said, I have a son assigned a widow and a son to you to take care of you when you get in the middle of this drought that we're going through. I'm going to take care of you. Intervene, send him a son. And then they were running out of oil and flour, but God supernaturally replenished the oil and flour for the entirety of the whole um, uh, drought, and they always had food to eat. And then God intervened for Elijah when he faced the 450 false prophets. God says, I'm going to send fire from heaven. Now God intervenes for Elijah again by providing hot, fresh bread and a cup of water for him. You'll see that in a second. But what I want to say this more, this thing that we're in right now, if God intervened and provided for Elijah, God will intervene and provide for you. Hallelujah. He will. And give the Lord a great hand clap for that. Amen. He'll do it for you. And I want to just give testimony right now. After two years, here you are sitting, and God has been faithful, and you've been fed, and God has intervened for you. Even you're like, where is this going to come from? What are we going to do now? And yet, God is a God of intervention in your life. Give the Lord another great hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm almost done, everyone. I hate it when preachers say that. It's like, but it makes people feel better. So I'm almost done. If God intervened and provided for Elijah, he's going to intervene for you. But he, what, how did he do it? He didn't have any food around. He looked around. Look at verse 6 now. 1 Kings 19, verse 6. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank, and then he laid down again. Oh, I like this already. So he woke up, he ate, he went back to sleep. Then he woke up, and he ate, and he laid down again. And the angel came back to him a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank again. So here's the, here's the sequence, everybody. Sleep, eat, sleep, eat, uh, sleep, eat, and then go, all right? So sleep, eat, sleep, eat, and then go. In other words, I just love this verse right here. Because it talks about food and rest. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I love food. I love the taste of food. I love the type of food. I love the texture of food. I love the temperature of food. I love the type of food and all that. I just love food. Man, last, the other day I, was, I, got, I fell into temptation and I bought a box of Cocoa Krispies. And uh, there they were, there, there, you know, right next to the grape nuts and the health food, you know. And I, <laughs> what's it going to be? And I grabbed the giant size one because it cost the less per ounce, you know. It was like the best buy at Walmart. Barb, I put that in the cart, you know. And so then last week I've had a couple of bowls of nice cold milk on top of Cocoa Krispies. <laughs> And all I can say is God is good. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. This morning I had Raisin Bran. And that's why I'm preaching so good this morning, because it's Raisin Bran. But he said, he said I, I think it was like three times. The angel said, came back to him a second time and touched him and said, get up now and eat. So, okay, yeah. So it's sleep, eat, sleep, eat, and then go. And then watch this. When he went... Uh, then he took off and he went on his journey. So the third thing here this morning is three ways to restore hope. Number one, rest, get refueled, but the other one is reconnect. And I want you to see this right now. Strengthened by that food. Say with me this morning, reconnect. And it says, strengthened by that food, Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, or Horeb is actually Mount Sinai. It's the mountain of God. And he was strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know what kind of food that he ate, but I want to find out that he could go 40 days and 40 nights. But he did. Man, give me some of that. But here's what I want you to see. The most important part of this is he went to the mountain of God. Say it with me this morning. He went to the mountain of God. If you will take time to reconnect with God, God will reconnect with you and give you the strength and direction 
for the journey that you have. In fact, the Bible says this, if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. But get alone with God. First of all, rest, refuel, but then reconnect. Go to the mountain of God, and God will meet you there on that mountain. When I go out to walk and pray, I'm getting alone with God. When I do that Monday through Saturday, like I was saying before, I get alone with God. That becomes my mountain of God. And if you'll take time to reconnect with God, he'll reconnect with you, and he'll give you revelation knowledge. He'll give you strength, and he'll give you direction in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So in the remainder of 1 Kings chapter 19, we're not going to finish it out, but in the remainder of it, Elijah pours out his heart to God, but God meets him, and, and, and when he's, in, in, he's connecting with God, God gives him revelation. He gives him detailed instructions about what to do next. Here's what's going to happen. Here's who you appoint. Here's what you do. And then he also says this, and also I'm going to cause you to meet a person. His name is Elisha. And Elisha is going to be your successor. In other words, how's this ministry going to go on? You're getting tired, but here's where we're going. Here's, where we, who, here's, your, here's what, where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. And also, you're going to meet Elisha, and Elisha is going to help you in ministry, but Elisha is also going to become your successor in ministry. So you go from Elijah. Everyone say with me this morning, Elijah. And the next person would be Elisha. Say with me, Elisha. And that starts out in 1 Kings chapter, uh, uh, 2 Kings, I should say, not 1 Kings, but 2 Kings chapter 1, you start the Elisha thing going on. So you got this movie going on. First of all, it's Elisha, Elijah the prophet, part one. The sequel is Elisha the prophet, you know, part two right there. And it's a great movie, let me tell you that. It hasn't been, it's right here in your word. All right, now, last thing here this morning is this. When he got alone with God, um, he's talking to God, and Elijah was going just like this. He's, you know, you know how you feel when you're just down. And Elijah said to God, man, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me also. Sometimes you just feel all alone in this world. But God said this to Elijah. He said, he says, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. In other words, God was saying, you might feel alone, but you're not alone because I'm with you. And there's also 7,000 others that are also in the same place as you are right now. And here's what happens when you get in this isolation that we're in or in this time, you say, man, I feel all alone. But let me tell you what, you're not all alone. God is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And there's also, he says, I've got 7,000 others that are around you. You're in good company. Keep on going. So when you reconnect with God, he will give you the revelation and direction you are looking for, and he'll show you that you're not alone. So keep on holding on to hope, even when you feel like letting go. And remember this, God is with you, and he will see you through. He will get you through what you're going through, just as he did for Elijah. And if you receive the word of the Lord today, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Would you do that? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand together this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We bless you today, Lord God. We bless you today. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you today, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Elijah, and the God of Elisha. And Lord, we just love you today the God of Jeremiah, the God of John the Baptist, the God of the apostles and the prophets. God, we serve you today, the one true God. God, we just lift up our hearts to you today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you today, Lord God. We bless you today, Lord God. Hallelujah. Say with me right now, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Hallelujah. I just want you to know, first of all, you're not alone today, everybody. You're not alone. God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Can I get a witness? Amen. He's with you. He's going to help you. And everyone that's going through trouble sometimes, God is still going to be with you. He's going to see you through even the trouble that you're going through right now. God, we just give you praise right now that you're with us. Just like you were with Elijah, you are with us right now. And we just praise you. And I want you to just meet God on that mountain 
Because when you meet God in that mountain, he's going to give you the revelation you need, the direction you need, and he's going to show you that you're not alone. God, I just thank you for that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I want everyone across the room here this morning, if you would, I just want you to begin just to uh, bless the Lord for a moment. Just say, Lord, I bless you today. I worship you today, Lord God. And I want you to give voice to your praise. Would you do that right now? Just give voice to your praise. Lord, I bless you today and I worship you today. And I love you today, Lord God. We bless you today, Lord God. I'm here to meet you, Lord God. I worship you today, Lord God. I bless you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Say with me, you are God and there is no other. Thank you, Lord God. He's not an idol. He's not a Baal. He's none of that. He's the one true God. God, we worship you. are the God that answers by fire. Thank you, Lord God. You're the God that leads us through even the most difficult circumstances in life. You're still leading us. Thank you, Lord God. We give you praise today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you now just to lift your hands, if you would, and just begin again with your own voices right now. See, the fruit of our lips is a big thing. You know, giving thanks to the Lord and and blessing his holy name. Just begin to just give thanks to the Lord, bless his name, just with your hands lifted up, Lord. We bless you, Lord God. We worship you and we give you thanks today, Lord God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. And we bless your holy name today, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I bless you today, Lord God. Hallelujah. I bless you today, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Say it a little bit louder, everyone. I need your voices. Say with me, I bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Even in the losses that we take, even in the hurt that we feel, God, we still bless you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord God, to receive blessing and honor and glory and power. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Say it with me right now. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord God. Say it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I don't think you can bless one another. It's hard to bless one another if you're not... First of all, blessing the Lord. You need to get full of him so that you can impart a blessing. So God will impart a blessing to you so that you can also impart a blessing to others. So, but the first thing is to get filled up yourself. Thank you, Lord God. And then we, when we're drawing near to him, he says, I'm going to draw near to you. And his presence will fill your life. So then you'll feel, man, I just feel blessed by the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord God. But then you have that capacity now because you've been filled to also impart blessing to others as well in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So here's what I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you just for a moment just around the church right now with your hands lifted because you're all ministers, everyone. You're all ministers to the Lord. But I want you to just begin uh, just uh, to anyone in particular or no one in particular, but just to turn to a few people and say, I just bless you in the name of the Lord. You don't have to touch them or anything. Just go like this. I just bless you in the name of the Lord. You just need a blessing. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you needed a blessing? Amen. And how many of you need to be blessed by the Lord? Give the Lord great praise. In the name of Jesus. I want to bless you. 
as we go out. And the blessing is very significant. You know, Moses said to Aaron, he says, make sure that you bless your people. They need to be blessed. And, he, and, when you're, and, and, and when you bless them, sometimes you think a pastor just standing up here says, well, he's got to end the service. He's going to do with the blessing. No, that was commanded, you know, by Moses to Aaron or Aaron to his sons. Just make sure that you, you, you speak a blessing because when you speak a blessing, you put the name of the Lord on them. And so I want to put the name of the Lord on you in the name of Jesus, amen? So, Lord, I just speak your name over your people, Lord God, and I just, with this blessing, Lord God, may the name, your name, Lord God, be on your people, and I pray it in the name of Jesus. And bless your people and keep them. Let your face shine in them, Lord God. Give your people hope. Give them favor, Lord God. Give them healing. Give them provision. Lord, I just speak blessing over your people right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And by the way, if you're here right now and you say, I need Jesus, just say, Lord God, I open my heart up to you right now. Lord Jesus, live in my heart. Be my Savior and my Lord. Come into my heart, Lord God. And and, and forgive me of my sins, Lord God, but I believe on you and I receive you as my Savior. If you're here this morning, you say, I need to receive Christ. Or online, do that right now. Just say, Lord, I receive you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you in the name of the Lord. And if you receive the word of the Lord today, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise if you do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. You've been awesome, everyone. I went over time today, but I don't make any apologies for it because you're going to watch six hours of football today. And so I don't apologize for the word of God, which will change you from the inside out. I love you so much. And next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about the reward, the reward of hope. There's a reward in hope, and I think that'll come up. Yeah, it, it, that'll be next Sunday. And, and I never try to preach long. It went long today because I had a word in my heart for you. And so it's, it's, it, I'm not trying to just preach a sermon, but a word for you. So I bless you. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Walk it out. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.